What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Scholar. I am joined by my co-host, Shelton's very own, Tyler Pacholke. We appreciate you all so much for listening to us. Be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on all of our newest episodes. Also, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review. That really helps out as well. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on all social media platforms and follow us as well at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke. On this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show, we welcome back the editor-in-chief of Silver Screen and Roll, Harrison Fagan. Silver Screen and Roll is an SB Nation affiliate site that covers the Lakers, and we've got a lot to catch up on with Harrison since he was last on the show. From the PR battle between the front office and clutch sports to what the expectations should be for this team with AD being out for the foreseeable future, Harrison will help us break down everything going on with the Lakers as of late. All this and more on episode 239 of the TSK Show, coming up right now. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 239 of the Sports Kingdom Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Scholar. Joining me, as always, Shelton's very own Tyler Pacholke. What's up, TP? How are you, man? I'm good, man. Coming off of uh, one of the best weekends in sports. Yes. Um, we got a. Uh, I got a. I'm going to a Laker game next week. Yes. So I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not bad. Not a bad spot. Not a bad middle ground. I'm. I'm trying to finagle my way into getting some tickets for that said basketball game you are attending. Uh, it's uh, next it's week. A, it's a Clippers Lakers game, but technically it's a Clippers home game. So it's it's a. Uh, it's an easy one to get into, and it's a good one. Right. So uh, the the Clippers uh, are uh, a partner at uh, the radio station I interned for, so I'm trying to see uh, if I can uh, maybe squeeze out some uh, tickets from yeah. uh, someone I know that I mean, works Clippers there. Aren't, Clipper tickets aren't really in high demand, even if they're playing the Lakers. I mean, as especially after this season. It's pretty sad that like the cheapest Laker game to go to is the Clipper home game Laker game. <laughs> I mean, it's been that way for my entire life. Like, Tyler. it's more expensive to go watch the fucking Pacers play the Lakers <laughs> than it is to watch the Lakers and Clippers. If just if the the court on the the paint on the court is a different color. Hey, by the way, thank you, Tyler. We yeah. went and saw the Pacers this year. Yeah, the no, no, I I know this firsthand. <laughs> I, I I that was a real example. That wasn't and now, pulled and that out was my a hat. genuine thank you. <laughs> that was that game was more expensive than the fucking. <laughs> Clippers Lakers it's it's weird you I would just think that that was like a, a well-known secret it's been that way my entire life Tyler. yeah but like how does it how does that not how do people not realize that like if I was a Laker fan oh. I, would, I would go to those Clipper games every year oh it's it's 60 70 percent Lakers fans in the building no I, I'm I mean I'm sure it's just like it seems like it's not talked about enough <laughs> but it's getting it's fair airtime tonight well, yes, and that's about the as much airtime as I'm going to give the, the Clippers tonight. The secret's out. <laughs> that's about as much airtime as I'm going to give the Clippers tonight on uh, this here Lakers episode because, Tyler, we thought it was going to be a quiet all-star break 
for the Lakers, but it turned into quite the opposite. And there's been a lot going on with the Lakers since we last recorded. And so we have a very special guest joining us tonight, and uh, he's going to help break it all down for us. So uh, let's get him on the line. Come on, you're getting paid. Ask something. Seconds at midcourt. Final seconds. Bryant for the win. Did I miss anything while I was gone? Joining us now on the Sports Kingdom show, one of the pillars of Lakers Twitter and the editor-in-chief of Silver Screen and Roll, SB Nation's Lakers affiliate. You can follow him at HM Fagan on Twitter, none other than Harrison Fagan. Harrison, welcome back to the TSK show. How are you, man? I'm doing well, especially after that intro. Pillars of Lakers Twitter, I'll take it. I mean, I, I think considering, you know, that I'm about to have to apologize for all of my incorrect Lakers takes from the preseason, you know, I, that gets me off to a good start, even though I, I think you might be setting me up to fail a little bit, but I'll try. No, 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 no. I, I think you are one of the most trusted sources out there on, on Lakers Twitter and, and someone that I go to uh, for a lot of analysis and and a place that I go to to try and become level-headed when I when I become too irrational with, with the Lakers so well thank you I mean that is uh you know I I want to be that voice of reason or you know at least somebody that tries to make you laugh every so often <laughs> well you definitely do that too so you, you have that going for you as well um so let's let's start it off you we were talking a little bit before we started recording you were last on the show uh right after Russell Westbrook's trade became official um, I, we can talk about that in, in a little bit. I want to just talk more recently uh, with what's been going on with the Lakers over the last, uh, I guess, week or so, uh, because a lot of stuff came out during All-Star Weekend revolving around the Lakers, and when there's no basketball to be played, talking about the Lakers will always move the needle and then add the fact that LeBron is the captain in the in the game of or in the all-star game and the game in the whole weekend is in Cleveland and then there's some allusion to LeBron possibly going back to Cleveland in the future and then LeBron wanting to play with his son which was brought up again and that that stuff didn't really bother me because I feel like that stuff has kind of been like a a pretty loud secret for for a while but what bothered me as a Lakers fan I think and and what bothered most Lakers fans I think was the fact that he was taking shuttle subtle shots at the the front office and Rob Palenka by complimenting other GMs like Sam Presti of the Thunder less need of even the Rams in the NFL um, and basically since he's been a Laker they've answered him in clutch sports's beck and call going all the way back to signing KCP to basically open up that pipeline of communication to clutch so I, I just I want to know kind of where your thoughts are on that and kind of where do you think this whole PR battle kind of stems from over the last week? Yeah, so I think, you know, uh, honestly, over the last week, I think is sort of like 
underselling when this really started. Not that that's what you were trying to do, but like, I think that this is going back. Obviously it came to a head over the last week with all of the stuff that you just mentioned, but you know, this has been kind of going back a lot longer throughout the course of the season when like going all the way back to when the Russ move started to go badly, you started to get all of this kind of anonymous finger pointing about, or even like right after the trade happened, you were getting all these leaks about, Oh, you know, LeBron really pushed for this. And it's like, you know, you're getting like Rob Polinka doing like he always does talking about how he consults with LeBron and AD on every single move that the Lakers make and stuff like that as a way, not only to like say, Hey, I'm being collaborative, but also as a way to say like, Hey, you know, when moves happen that are not good, you know, I'm going to throw some doubt into who made these moves and whatever. And, you know, and then throughout the course of the year, we've gotten various, you know, every, it seems like every single reporter has reported at one point or another that, Oh, LeBron really, really pushed for the Russell Westbrook deal. So like almost this, you know, concern, there's very clearly been an effort from someone behind the scenes to make it seem like this was like a hundred percent of LeBron decision. Rob Polinka was just a helpless. Rob Polinka was sitting there in his office with no choice, <laughs> but to trade for Russell Westbrook. Um, and so, you know, you have all of that going on all year as everyone kind of points the finger at everyone else for, Oh, you weren't willing to do this. Oh, you wanted this move. Oh, you wanted this, this, this. And then, You know, you have right into the week before the trade deadline, LeBron gets up in front of reporters and is like, I don't think this roster is good enough as he begins to like start to, you know, push the front office to try and make some moves fairly transparently. And the front office doesn't make a move, which so we already know that LeBron is probably not the most thrilled with that. But then Rob Palenka gets up there in front of a mic right after the trade deadline and is asked about the pressure to kind of put a contender around LeBron and to some degree AD and stuff. And like, how can you make no moves at the deadline and says that he and LeBron are, and to, you know, a lesser extent AD, but the, all three of them are in total alignment, I think was his exact phrasing. And, you know, like when you say something like that, you know, it, it implies that they completely signed off on this. And then, you know, lo and behold, they did not completely sign off on this strategy. We get a leak within the next day that uh, like, no, LeBron and AD Rob, totally false, that they're in to- complete alignment with Rob Polinka on making no moves at the deadline. And like, there's a degree of semantics there. Like, were they, did they understand that he wasn't going to make some moves? Like, cause I would be kind of floored if he had just straight up, like not told that he had told them he was going to make moves and then didn't like, I don't think that that's what happened. I think they were probably aware that he couldn't, that he wasn't going to make moves that maybe he couldn't make moves, but that they're not necessarily in total alignment with the idea of making no moves. And, right. you know, one of the points that I've been trying to make during when I've been talking about this this week is that LeBron is a guy who very much wants to control his own message, who is, you know, obsessed with kind of painting his narrative, getting his voice out there, you know, founded a company called Uninterrupted that allows athletes to tell their stories without getting taken out of context, all these things. Like, this is an idea that's very important to LeBron. And LeBron has never liked it when people try to speak for him. It's one of the things that, you know, like, got him to start to clash with Dennis Schroeder last year. Like, it's, you know, going back years and years, this is not something that LeBron likes when people speak speak for him or speak, you know, try to yeah, speak for him. And so for Rob Polinka to do that on the record in front of the media about a decision that LeBron was probably not the happiest with, I think is how you end up at this point where, you know, he's praising Les Snead on Twitter. Oh, like he's redirecting a question about Josh Giddy to talk about how great Sam Presti is. Oh, he's talking about, oh, wow, look at what the Cavs have built and Kobe Altman, such a great GM. And, oh, you know, like, uh, you know, I can't close the door on a return to Cleveland. And, 
you have him basically hijack the entire All-Star weekend. The NBA is one of its marquee events, maybe one of its like three biggest events of the year, like between this, the finals and the draft. And it should agents, be you know, at least. Yeah, it's somewhere in the top five. Um, and he just made it all about Le- LeBron and what will he do in two years and stuff like that. And that illustrates the power of LeBron. And I think most importantly, you know, the message for him, the message was received by the Lakers front office that look at how I can take over what is supposed to be the NBA's biggest weekend and keep that in mind if you decide to not do anything this summer or you think that I'm just going to be cool standing pat. Yeah, I mean... I, I mean, I'm also of the the thinking that no moves is not necessarily a bad move, but I can understand where LeBron being upset that Rob Plinka didn't make any moves. But I also don't think that Rob Plinka just was sitting there twiddling his thumbs. He was probably trying to make moves. It's just the Lakers are in a situation where they don't really have much to offer in a situation. And then you have the the rumored John Wall deal where they potentially had to throw in the 2027 pick. If you wait till the summer, you can throw in the 2029 pick as well. I think it kind of just sweetens the deal a little bit if they wait till the summer. So it's it's kind of a double-edged sword, I feel like. Yeah, and them and them not doing anything at the trade deadline was like objectively, like you said, probably the right move considering what we've heard on the table. Like there's nothing that's been that was on the table that's been reported where I think either of us would sit here and say, like, oh man, how could Rob Palinka not do that? You know, like there were some moves where like maybe it's borderline, you know, like the the rumored like, oh, Christian Wood would have been thrown in in the wall swap for, you know, THT and Russ, and then maybe you give up the first for that. Like maybe that's like a borderline move if you're really high on Christian Wood. I guess, but which I'm not. Yeah. I mean, and like, (laughs) nor should you necessarily be after his last two years. And so like, you know, besides that, and that's the only one where we can even sit here and say, like, it's debatable whether or not they should have done that. All the other stuff is like, yeah, of course they weren't going to do that. And, you know, go back on whether from a job preservation perspective, we're like, Rob, if you're Rob Blinka, do you want to admit to ownership that you made a mistake with the Russ move, you know, six months after you gave up a first to get him, you want to use up another first to get off of his contract? Like, no, but also just from a basketball future looking perspective. Yeah. I mean, not only is would you be trading a current eighth grader? So you have no idea what they're going to like, just to illustrate how far out those players are from, you know, affecting the Lakers in any meaningful way. Like a 2027 first is an eighth grader right now. Uh, And (laughs) so not only do you not want to trade, you know, trade an eighth grader for, you know, that you don't know how good they're going to be. You don't know what kind of pick you're going to have in 2027 when presumably LeBron will have left or retired. Uh, And so I understand that. And then also, you know, they were making a bet that, like you said, this is a lot more salvageable in the summer when teams have more cap space, when teams are able to make more uneven trades because they don't have to go play a game that night. Like they're going to have two first round picks to move with. And then maybe that turns it from, oh, you're attaching a first to get off of Rusty. You're attaching two firsts that actually get someone like decent or a couple decent players or something like that. Right, you can get a little bit more in return. Yeah, so I think that objectively it was the right decision. I also completely understand why LeBron was like, really, like no moves? Like you couldn't have like sent Kent Bazemore, you know, and cash to open up a roster spot or like, you know, DeAndre, you know, whatever. Like to do absolutely nothing, I think, was essentially a message 
you know, that you guys need to go figure this out. Whether that was expressly or literally said or not, it was like, no, 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 we don't think this season is salvageable. We're not hemorrhaging our future for this. And if you're LeBron, what do you care about a current eighth grader? You know, like, unless it's, you know, unless it's Bryce that the Lakers are planning on drafting in 2027, (laughs) but like, we're not quite there yet, you know? So like, of course he doesn't care about that pick. And he wants, even if it's a marginal move, anything that gives him even a 1% more chance to win this year. Like from his perspective, his career is finite. Of course he feels that way. But I also don't think that the Lakers necessarily made the wrong move, even if it, even if it did piss LeBron off. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's been LeBron's and LeBron's team's MO his entire career is to trade the future for the now. And I mean, like like you said, and we Tyler and I have talked about it on the show leading up to the trade deadline and when the trade deadline passed, the Lakers weren't going to be able to make a move that was going to make them any better this year to to try and win a championship this year. It's, it's just too much has just gone wrong and there's too little time to put together new pieces to a roster that hasn't had time itself to to really get it together. Or it at least, like, wasn't a certainty to make them that, you know? Right. Like, there were certain moves where they could have made where, like, yeah, I mean, does in a vacuum, does Eric Gordon and John Wall maybe help you or something like that? Or Christian, like, yeah, probably. But is that the difference between you winning a championship? Is that worth giving up that 2027 first and sort of otherwise locking yourself into this kind of version of the team when maybe you'll be able to get much better returns this summer? Like, probably not. I, so, like I said, I can understand why LeBron is doing this. And I don't think that, so think there's a degree of you know just pettiness here and also plausible deniability sort of like I mentioned that Rob Palenka tries to obfuscate and you know these leaks have tried to paint him as like you know oh he had this deal for Buddy Heald done and then uh, big bad LeBron came in and just you know forwarded through the trade call for Russell Westbrook or whatever like no number one he's the GM that's not how it happened and you know if you're the GM you have to be able to say no to your star players that is part of the job theoretically like Rob Palenka is not the first GM to ever have LeBron or a star player on their roster and have to tell them no on a move that wouldn't ultimately be good. Uh, And, you know, I also think that to some degree, this is LeBron doing his own sort of blame deflection, where if he makes a huge stink about this, what are we all talking about now? Everyone's talking about Rob Palenka's performance, Rob Palenka's this, what moves did he make? Look at the roster he constructed compared to all these guys. It's shining a light on him and being like, well, you know, like, let's get off this Le GM narrative. Let's get off of, (laughs) you know, like that this team is underwhelmed. It's like, this is Rob Palenka's fault, you know? And it's sort of like, I've made this analogy a couple times this week, but it's almost like that scene in like every single heist, true crime movie, whatever, where the bad guy comes into a room, like shoots two people and then puts the gun in like the hands of one of them. And this is like, that's like basically what these leaks were LeBron like trying to do to Rob Palenka and Russ. It's like, you know, he's like framing Rob Palenka for the Russ move so that because it's like if Rob Palenka gets fired this summer, then who is going to be blamed in the eyes of the public for how wrong all of this went? It's going to be Rob Palenka. No one's going to be talking about the moves LeBron made or whatever, or at least fans aren't going to be. It's going to be, oh, well, look at that dumb roster Rob Palenka built. No wonder he got fired. And it sort of absolves and washes LeBron's hands of it in a way that I I can understand if that was part of the motivation to kind of put pressure here. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, as a Laker fan first, before anything, really, I mean, I was proud of Rob Palenka for putting his foot down up against LeBron in the, in this scenario. And by the way, sorry about the 84 84- no, buddy healed team trade so 
Yeah, that, you that know, didn't really it's, work look, out. I, I, sometimes, sometimes your bits just they eventually die, <laughs> and this one finally bit the dust. I got like a good six months out of it, and uh, you know, it's it's unfortunately it's over. He was finally traded and not to the Lakers. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, I mean, we've we kind of were talking about it for a brief second before we started recording how everything we talked about in August has aged like milk, and how we were all wrong about these Lakers this year. And I mean, Donnie McHenry did a great piece at silver screen and roll on basically going back and looking at the, the preseason predictions and, and kind of taking a look at where the, where we are now with them. So I want you to put on your Kamenensky bros hat and deliver a blame pie for all that went wrong this season for the Lakers. Yeah. So you mean like just for how everything has gone down, basically like, you know, all the principles involved. So LeBron, AD, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, Vogel, yeah. like all the, okay. Yeah. I mean, you can throw injuries in there too, whatever you want. It's your yeah, blame well, pie. So, you know, yeah. I, I don't know if I can, I, I, I do not have a pie ready by percentage, you know, points no, or that's whatever, fine. but I, let, we'll try to, we'll try to do this. We'll rank from like top to bottom and then that'll kind of get us closer to the percentages. So like, I mean, number one is still injuries. That's not an excuse. That's not like, you know, this was an old team that was put together like that is part of the risk that you run in building like this a win now roster around two kind of aging stars and adding a third in russell westbrook and getting a bunch of older vets to fill out the end of the bench like there's upside there and those guys have skill and things like that but there's also downside there and the health aspects of it and so you know you have you start from that point and then like but the reality is that the lakers they weren't expecting you know even if they brought in russ for superstar insurance or things like that they weren't expecting lebron and ad to miss this much time and to basically never be on the court together you know even i'm not i'm not under the illusion necessarily there's still a good team in here and i certainly with the benefit of hindsight am much lower on the russ trade than i was the last time i was on here but that said, we haven't truly gotten to see how good it could have been. You know, I, I certainly my 20 games together, the three of them. How many? 20, I believe. Yeah, I thought it was less than that, to be honest. I thought it was like 17 or something like, you know, but either way, it's like barely over single digit games. You know, it's like it's like a hand, literally like a handful of games that they've played together. So, you know, you're not going to be able to tell for certain if they could have been better than what they've shown. And there have been little flashes here and there of what it could have looked like. There's also been a lot of evidence that maybe it wouldn't have been that good. Yeah. But, you know, regardless of like the Lakers would have been better off having LeBron on the court for more games than they have this year, having Anthony Davis on the court for more games than they have had this year, they would be better if those things were the, were the case, even if they may not have been the contender that many pegged them as going into the year. So like injuries, I think have to be your number one kind of factor on the blame pie. And then like, you know, second, to be honest, I, I know you were just talking about like you liked that Rob Palenka stood pat at the deadline and these kind of things. And like, you know, again, I can sort of agree with that, but it's like he's also not blameless for the roster that was put together in the first place. Sort of, you know, if you were going to put your foot down, you don't get patted on the back for being like, hey, LeBron, I'm not going to undo this mistake that I made along with you this summer you know it's like yes that was the right thing to do but also you know if you thought it was such a bad move and like we're expected to believe based on all these leaks that no one traded for Russ, that he just <laughs> arrived on the lakers roster no one wanted it it just like it just happened but you know kurt rambis snuck it through the fax machine when no one was looking like i don't know um 
But ultimately, the roster construction does fall on the GM. Rob Palenka was not helpless here, and he was on board with the Rust move. This has been reported. This is something that, you know, is understood behind the scenes. Like, he was on board with the Rust move. He would not have gotten up and done a big press conference welcoming Rust to L.A., you know, trumpeting this big addition if he hadn't. And so I think number two has to go to Rob Palenka, Kurt Rambis, you know, Linda Rambis, Jeannie Buss, whoever is the, the, the brain trust, brain trust. Yeah. <laughs> behind this operation. That's where number two has to go because like th they're the ones that ultimately signed off on all of this. Everyone can say LeBron pushed for it. LeBron did this. LeBron did that. But like, ultimately, you know, let's say, let's say for the hypothetical that LeBron was the only one who wanted the Russ trade, you know, and Rob Palenka had the deal on the table for Buddy Heald. Are we really supposed to believe that LeBron would have just tanked the whole season, pouted the entire time if they had traded for Buddy Heald instead of Russ and like gone through with that deal? Like he would have just punted a year of his season. He would have demanded a trade immediately. You know, like, no, you know, and so ultimately it still does fall on you if you are the primary decision maker. You can consult with your stars, but even if you're letting them make all of these decisions and, you know, you're like, it's still ultimately so, to some degree falls on you because that is your job. Their job is to go out and play and you can give them input if that allows you to bring in star players and things like that. But you have to be able to say no sometimes. And like, so ultimately, even if Rob Palenka wasn't a fan of this move and he still signed off on it, that still falls on him mostly to me, more so than LeBron. Because, of course, like LeBron's not combing through synergy analytics or, you know, doing deep dives on Russ's last couple seasons. He's looking at like, that's a guy that has given me problems in the past. And I, I've gone to war against that guy and I want him on my side. And we know that LeBron you know, since like 2017, going back like years and years has had an affinity for Russ. This has been leaked about that. Like, you know, I believe it was uh, my friend Eric Pincus that reported in Bleacher Report in like 2017 yeah. that LeBron, like of all the stars that LeBron wanted to team up with at some point in his career, like Russ was near the top of the list. Like this is a guy he's liked for a long time. And, you know, it, it's not his job to know that Russ is not what he once was. Although, you know, you would think based on the Lakers playoff game plan for Russ against the Rockets that uh, that yeah. they would have been aware that Russ was like not what he once was anymore and was a very flawed player. But I think the thing is, a lot of times with great players, they see another guy that was really, really good. And they're like, oh, well, you just give me that talent and we'll make it work. We'll go figure it out because we want to win. And it's like, that's great. But this ended up being about as poor of a fit, you know, as like even I think the detractors may have like undersold it. So yeah, it, it's been bad. And so, I mean, that's sort of why, you know, I think you almost have to put LeBron. I don't know if I'd put him like third. I put him, him with the brain trust. Huh? I put, I would put him with the brain trust. And I think that's probably the most fair way to do it. Uh, like, yeah. So I guess you put him in there. And then I think at that point, you know, if we're ruling out injuries in the brain trust or like numbers one and two, largely uh then i think number three has to be uh like uh, probably has to go to frank vogel you know I, yeah. I don't think that this is a perfect roster but vogel has dealt himself enough self-inflicted wounds that this idea that you know he is solely being scapegoated completely blamelessly by you know the lakers when he does get fired this summer i think is sort of laughable like again i i, I like frank i think that he has gotten probably too much criticism. And I think the Lakers were too eager to scapegoat him for all of this roster's deep flaws, but he certainly has done himself no favors with some of his decisions. I don't know. I mean, you, you watch the games too. Like, am I, am I about no, right on? I, I, I was going to say, I was defending Frank Vogel for a very long time and 
it was because he was dealt such a bad hand due to the roster construction he was given completely going away from what the team was uh, during the championship year in 19 and 20 and then realistically going away from what they were last year when they were a much better offensively and defensively ranked team but I mean Frank Vogel like you said it's just so many self-inflicted wounds with what he's been given I mean we Avery we could talk about Avery Bradley for hours on why please, he... I, please, please let's not I do <laughs> no, not want I know to. I know hey I'm down <laughs> and now he's that's, that's my boy right there that's because he's a Washington kid <laughs> But, Maybe not two hours. I don't know. That seems tough. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, you you nailed it on the head, Harrison. I think he's just had so many self-inflicted wounds. He has to be a part of this. Yeah, like at some point, you know, I, again, I agree that this was not a roster that set Frank Vogel up for success, either in terms of like the overall talent and fit of it or just in terms of a Frank Vogel team. Yeah. But it's also not the Lakers' job to build around their coach. Like no team in the NBA, with the <laughs> exception of maybe the Spurs, and even Pop has coached a bunch of different types of teams. Like, you know, if you're if you want to be an NBA coach employed for a long time, you kind of got to have more than one pitch because rosters change all the time, especially with the shortened contracts and all of that stuff. You have to be able to coach different kinds of basketball. And I think Frank is an elite, elite coach when you have a defensively focused, kind of defensively gifted roster. I think that there are very few coaches in the NBA, if any, that I would pick like over him if that's the kind of tools that you're giving him like the Lakers have the last couple of years. But, you know, the Lakers did not have that this year. And you have to you have to adjust and play the team that you have instead of the team that you want it to be. Yeah, I think. um I think the blame the the blame pie has got to be big time on Anthony Street Clothes Davis. I feel like everything we've talked about would be like so much better off if he was if he had played fifty plus games. You know, then I all mean, of a sudden, then all of a sudden they're winning more. You know, pressures off of front office and coaches. Um, I think he was the piece that it complements Russ in the bronze game the most. You know, being like a stretch big. Uh, yeah, I feel like that was big time, big piece of the pie. Yeah, that's that's true for sure. But also, like, it's hard for me to blame him for getting hurt. Like, that's not. No, no, I mean, he's no. Had, I don't think it. Yeah, yeah, I guess blame pie is probably the wrong scenario <laughs> for this. Well, I, that think that, into the I think that absolutely number one. Yeah, was was just hit hit just him his specific injury uh, and missing twenty games. You know, if he yeah, plays fifty like plus, I think they're in the top five in the West. Because I mean. It's just, you know, if even they won half of those games that he played, they're they're in the top five in the West. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's why I, I still bring up injuries because yeah. this team, I think now we've seen, they would have been more mediocre than was expected, but they would have been better than this. Like, they've yeah, had a better yeah. record than this when those guys have been healthy. And, like, I'm, you know, everyone, you know, you you said the street clothes thing and people, you know, people <laughs> talk about that and whatever. He does it like, all the time, Harrison. Don't, <laughs> don't let it bother you. <laughs> No, it's not. It, it's just like he had two freak injuries this year. Like, yeah, there's not that sure. freak. No, and I, I'm yeah. a fan of his. I, I definitely don't want him to be in street clothes. It's just unfortunate. Some guys just that it plagues their career. And I think it's the way he plays, his size. And I think he came in probably with like it, I, I say overweight, but it, he, like he wasn't fat. He just put on more muscle. Yeah, him bulking up definitely carry. Yeah, him yeah, bulking up yeah. definitely affected how he started the season. I think that definitely contributed to him getting hurt. It affected his outside shooting. It, it affected so many different things a part of his game. And, and honestly, and then feel once bad. he slimmed down, you started to see like kind of the old Anthony Davis. And then he yeah. lands on someone. He lands on uh, on Rudy Gobert's foot. And yeah. like that's not that's not to blame Rudy. Like that's not anyone's 
Jordan's fault. Like, no, he went up for a rebound. Hard to get over the course of a basketball game when you're seven feet and you move like Anthony Davis does. And like, you know, maybe that is why we have to factor this into the calculus. But yeah. like, I don't think just the only reason I push back on it is because like, I think so often the idea of like that when people use the street clothes nickname, they're like implying that he's not tough or he should be playing through this stuff. It's like, he has a midfoot sprain. You can't play on that. Like he's yeah. been on crutches <laughs> for the last week. He only yeah. just got off of it. Like that's not a matter of just like will to win or pain tolerance or whatever. You can't play on that. No, one hundred. No, one hundred percent. I I honestly do it more to to give give Sklar a hard time. Uh, I'm I'm honestly a big fan. I wish you know I hate injuries. I mean that's like one of the things I I wish I could get rid of. Um, it's too bad because he's, he's a great player, and I feel like Frank Vogel is in an unfair hot seat like if if he has the roster that you know they had healthy um he is definitely winning more games and then you know i just think the dominoes falls all this kind of stuff is better if they're winning yeah, for sure. And like, if he has Anthony Davis, I think you're getting less of these hot seat rumors, although it's been pretty clear from the moment that they only gave him the one year extension that they're about ready to, they were not high on how this year was going to go. And they were re- they were preparing a scapegoat basically, and didn't want to have to pay him a two year extra extension. And we're just getting ready to only pay him the one kind of year on the back end when they fire him this summer. He's not really an LA Lakers guy. You know, I mean, he's like, as far as just the persona, you know, I think of guys like Pat Riley and Phil Jackson, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, if there's, like, and it's also clear that this front office and brain trust sees coaches as kind of uniquely fungible in terms of, like, I mean, they we've seen, like, they have a pretty good eye for coaches that they should be hiring. You know, since Rob Palenka, the one coaching search he's ran, they the final candidates were, you know, like Tyron Liu and Monty Williams and, like, Jawan Howard, all of all three of whom, like, I think have done, you know, Jawan Howard, obviously, re- before the recent <laughs> stuff or whatever was looking a lot better. Uh, but then, you know, you have like, like Monty Williams, I think, no, didn't win coach of the year last year, but was runner up. I mean, he was and in the Tyron finals, Lewis, Yeah. Like has shown that this, the last couple of years, why he's one of the best coaches in the NBA yeah. with the Clippers. And then Frank Vogel was supposed to be lose a like lead assistant. And so, and they brought him in, they brought him in as head coach and, you know, but Lou they had also, the birthday cake. <laughs> yeah, he got the birthday, but that's what I mean. Going all the way back to that, they're like, no, 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 we're only giving you a three-year, uh, a three-year deal because they clearly think. And then you go from that to the Vogel only one year to like putting Jason Kidd on his staff as a ready-made replacement. Like they just don't prioritize coaching. They think that they can get like a good amount of guys who can like they think they're always going to be able to replace the coach as long as they have enough talent and i i just don't think that they value him very much i, I think their actions made that clear yeah and i think with the whole scapegoating thing they had to have a different scapegoat than the guy they're paying 44 million dollars to and they just traded and they were trying yeah. to still smooth all of that over until it got well, to the point looking, where we're at now you know, like, if you're looking at it from Rob Polinka's perspective, like, a- as a job preservation tactic, like, what are you going to do? You're going to, are you oh, going to, yeah. like, give up a first to get off the guy that you advocated for? Or are you going to fire the guy that you were like, yeah, we should only give him one year extension. I'm I'm not so sure about Frank. And, like, that way you can go, like, hey, look, you know, last year was bad, but the only problem was Frank Vogel, you know? And now, you know, we can run it, but we can go back next year and everything will be fine because as long as we just don't have Frank mismanaging our brilliant roster. Yeah, so I, I want to go back to AD now, Harrison, with uh, with his injury and it taking place before the trade deadline and all of that and where the Lakers are at in the standings. What do you think are, are some realistic expectations for this team going forward in this last stretch run before the playoffs? 
I mean, the only expectations I have for them at this point are make the play-in game. Like, I, I think that, <laughs> yeah. you know, given how this year has gone, you know, and also you just look at the standings. They should, like, it's unlikely that two teams are going to pass them and knock them completely out of play-in range. But beyond that, like, without AD, you know, we'll see how this starts to look tomorrow and, you know, how engaged this team is, how many things they figured out from their first stretch playing without AD for a lengthy period of time. They should, at the very least, have more answers about what works and what doesn't this time around than they did the first time that it happened. So, you know, there's reason for optimism there. I'm curious to see how they look tomorrow night. I, I am not willing to rule out the possibility of jumping up to like jumping up to that like eighth seed because the Clippers aren't that far ahead of them. The Lakers have two games against them in the next couple weeks. Like if they can if they can two win out of their next of four, games, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I know it's in like the next week or two weeks or whatever. Yeah, but you may be right. I know it's their next game and then I I'm, we're we're all day to day, okay? Eric, like give me a break. <laughs> like I'm uh you know, but I know that they have like two coming up here shortly and if they can win both of those, all of a sudden you're back in the driver's seat to maybe make that eighth game and then you can potentially you have a little more wiggle room instead of just being in the 9-10 game where it's win or go home both games and you got to win twice to make it whereas if you you know if you get in in the 7-8 as the Lakers saw last year like you get that consolation game you know that the Warriors ended up getting and then ended up losing but you at least have that opportunity to if you get up there you know it should you lose on the road you can at least have an opportunity to host a home play-in game for the final win or go home like to play against that one seed and look like you know the Suns won tonight without Chris Paul but we don't know what they're going to look like long term without him or how long this injury that he has is going to linger the Warriors are a major question mark for as long as Draymond Green is out like obviously they're still rolling to a degree right now but in the playoffs I think the Lakers have some real problems to present for them if they don't have Draymond so like you know at that point you know maybe you can talk yourself into like this really outside chance of making a run but I certainly don't think that it is anywhere near the most likely scenario like you know them making it even out of the first round I would put at like less than a five percent chance yeah I mean I I I agree with you just you just got to be focused on trying to get into that seven eight spot for all those reasons you just said um and it sets them up well because in a seven game series with with guy with a guy like LeBron James really anything can happen and as far as a Laker fan that's that's all you have on to grasp onto right now uh get into the dance and, and you're gonna see a Phoenix or a Golden State which is which is tough but you like you said you present some problems as well um and i think the lakers you know on a game-to-game -game basis can compete with anyone so it's just about getting into that dance and the, and the seven eight seed i think makes it a much easier path i think one thing that harrison we were missing from the blame pie was effort the lack of yeah. the lack of effort with yeah, this team. Yeah, we just team. completely absolved the players, didn't we? Yeah, yeah that was uh, that's my bad. <laughs> no, 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 no. We we've we've talked about so much tonight, and that there's a lot that's been going on. So it's it's okay. I just that's the one thing I'm really looking for, like looking for in this 24 game yeah. stretch so before our, the playoffs. The Duke is the ultimate Laker fan. He holds all accountable: players, management, <laughs> coaches. No one's safe if you're not winning. We can't point Except the Rob Polinka, yeah. the, the no. un unfairly under fire Rob Polinka. No, I think I, I think it's I'm crazy. No, I, I think it's insane that he is under fire. That's just crazy talk. No, he he deserves some blame for for it. But but anyway, I think the lack of effort from the players in a lot of these games is putting them in such a hole that they could have won a lot of the games that they've lost just based yep. on their effort. And yeah, and, and that's and like, that's what's going to propel them into that 
hopefully eight or seven seed if they want to make yeah. that jump is they're they're going to need to want it african yeah and w- that's, that's part of the reason why i said like i'm very curious to see how they come out tomorrow night because i do think that the last couple games you know we've started to see some things from tht like he looks to like, the way that they've been using him staggering him with russ he does seem to be much more comfortable in that role it's crazy like how he's better at the things he's good at than like you know the lakers asking him to become alex caruso during the offseason it's wild how and i'm works. shocked he played better after the trade deadline and he's still a laker that too yeah and and you know and russ i thought has started to show some signs of life like the last two games before the before the deadline and so you know if he can if he is at the point now where he's willing to say like look you know I'm getting benched at the end of games. Like I can either, you know, I can either go into my shell or I can just do the things that the coaching staff is asking. We can all sacrifice. I'll go all out, try and win this. Like that's the path forward. If they can all buy into each other and just go, look, you know, we have 24 games left. Let uh, We can fit the off season is after that. But for now, we just, none of us like how this has gone. We just need to try and make the best of it. And I think Russ deserves credit. I think he has done that the last two games. And if he continues to do that, the Lakers are going to be in a much better position than they have been. And, but that's not just like Russ, like Russ is not the only Laker who has let their effort on both ends wax and wane. LeBron has done it. You know, everyone on the team basically, except for, maybe like austin reeves like i'm trying to think of if there's anyone else who has gone all out effort every single game this season um yeah i mean maybe I mean, malik monk i mean he's had some off shooting nights i feel like he's yeah. always like giving it his all shout out the arkansas boys the the only highlight of the year this year the arkansas boys no, yeah the duck hunt duo you know they're uh <laughs> they're big time for them just because of all those reasons i mean bringing effort and energy is exactly what these these old guys need yeah and stanley johnson actually i should yeah, i should add yeah, him yeah stanley johnson mid-season addition off the buyout market but still like he has he has come to play like a man whose nba life is on the line which it very much is hey uh, i don't blame but, him you yeah. need those guys so all right um last couple things before we let you get out of here harrison we we've talked a little bit about the fit with russell and it not working what do you think the future is for Russell Westbrook in Los Angeles? Do you think he's getting shipped out of here in the summer, or do they try and make it work next year because he does have a player opt-in for $47 million next year, I believe? Yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to say there is no chance that he opts <laughs> out of forty seven million dollars after this year. Although, you know, Russ is as iconoclastic of an NBA player as we have ever had. If there has ever been a personality in NBA history that would say, "F you, I don't need your forty seven million dollars," it would be Russ. But I just don't. I think that is like against the very like like fabric of our nature as humans to turn down uh, well, and like i think his, kind of his nba brethren would also be pretty upset with him too because that would set a precedent probably with could you imagine the reaction at the nba pa if like <laughs> he turned down 47 million and like took like a veteran's minimum somewhere oh, like jeez yeah so you know like i i i'm comfortable uh projecting that he will opt into that to that money but i am not at the point where I'm willing to even consider the possibility that he's going to be back next year. Like this has just gone so poorly overall that, you know, I, I, the Lakers are going to be looking to move him. And I I think the only difference that it makes is like, if he plays really well down the stretch, then maybe that makes it easier to do that without either without having to attach both first round picks that they're going to have available or to be able to use him plus those two first round picks to get, you know, 
a better, like an actual good player, not have to trade like a bad contract for a couple bad contracts type of thing. Um, and so like, that's the only thing that I'm really looking for, but I just, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel, but I just feel like there's no way that they can bring him back. You know, even if all, this is not all his fault. Like, you know, speaking of the blame pie, you know, honestly, I feel like Russ is like the least to blame for this when he's gotten the, like the most of the blame. I agree. It's not his like he didn't force a trade to the Lakers. Like he asked the wizards to trade him. The Lakers still had to green like that, you know, like they still had to agree to do it. And, you know, he hasn't like, he, he did, he didn't start Deandre Jordan for a good chunk of the year and cut off all of his room around the basket. Like, you know, he didn't build this roster that only features combo guards alongside him. So the Lakers have like no defensive semblance. Like Russ is ironically, like he's become the scapegoat for everything wrong with the Lakers. And I think that, from a contractual perspective, there's a degree of truth to that. But from like a personal responsibility perspective, that's not Russ's fault. And, but that said, like I, I, how poorly this has gone, it's the perception of it more than anything, even within the locker room. Like, you know, I, I just don't see how you bring him back and you just get everybody on board and gung ho about a new season, including Russ himself. Yeah. I think, I think Russ has definitely gotten unfair blame. I mean, being the guy that's out there, he's missed the least amount of time. So, you that know, too, he, like that, that he, too. Like he, he's actually been available. Yeah, like, it's, it's yeah. Not all his fault. And, and some of it is, but not he, all of it. He's gone through stretches of playing with just AD. He's gone through stretches of playing with just Braun. He he needs like those two more than anyone because, like we spoke about at this stage in his career, he's not the guy he used to be. But if he's the third guy, it's a whole different story. I mean, he doesn't have to be who he used to be. You know, like you know, a step below that is fine if AD and LeBron are out there. Uh, I think, yeah, I mean, we defend Russ quite a bit on the show, so people know what's up, but I, I definitely feel there's like... Still, there's still sports media personalities defending Russ. I, n- I never thought I would see the day, like, yeah, but yeah. I, I but appreciate I, you guys for your service. <laughs> <laughs> but, I do, but I do think it's like a it's it's a very very small chance he's a laker next year yeah i think i think we're at the point where it's like we understand which is unfortunate yeah but, I, we we understand that uh russ isn't the problem but he has been a part of the problem and we also uh-huh. understand that it's realistically just not this is basically going to be it for his chapter in laker history after this season which is just like on a human level, it does bum me out that, oh, that this has totally. gone so yeah. poor. Yeah. Like, I just hope that people are able to, in a number of years, like able to, you know, just like, like the Los, the people from Los Angeles are just able to kind of respect Russ's career and just sort of ignore or forget about this chapter to a degree because he has had a great career. I think that playing here has exposed some of his flaws to people like us that like watch every Laker game, you know, for me, especially like I did not pick up on, I guess how inflexible he can be at times and how unreliable he can be at times. Uh, and like how sort of stubborn he is and his belief of like, I want to do things this way and I'm not going to change for anyone. Like, obviously those are the stereotypes of Russ, but until you've seen it for, you know, 60 games, every single game, multiple times a week, like it doesn't fully set in, but I just hope that like, you know, he is a Los Angeles kid who has had a crazy amount of success. He won an MVP. Like, I just hope that the city is able to appreciate him again uh, in a couple of years. And he's not a guy who's like getting booed if he shows up to Laker games or whatever. Right. I mean, listen, on a, on a personal level, Tyler and I were at the, the Pacers game where he got benched in the fourth quarter. I mean, I'm born and raised in L.A. Tyler's born and raised just outside of Seattle. So it's like he grew up a Sonics fan. And now being down in L.A., obviously he's gravitated gravitated towards the Lakers and everything but it's just like ha- having Russell Westbrook on the Lakers was something I always dreamed of 
No, and I love those kind of connections. I mean, when it when a hometown kid can come and play for the, for the I home bought a team. jersey at that Pacers game. Even and the, I mean, the season has gone so bad. How cool it is! Was for it on us, clearance? Too. No, it was not on clearance. I paid full price and gladly did so. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is too bad because I think if you get the right pieces around these guys, they can really do it. Especially with AD as a stretch five, but it is too bad. It just hasn't worked out so far. And, Unfortunately, he's probably not going to be a Laker next year. Yeah. A Russell Westbrook Lakers jersey is going to be an elite summer league jersey in a couple of years. Yeah. Like, hey. that, that is going to be, like, a, an amazing Las Vegas yeah. jersey. I got a Kuzma jersey. I got a Westbrook jersey. I, I got both the zeros. So, uh, I'm ready to go w- with both of them. Now you just, just got to wait on that brawny. <laughs> well, we don't, we don't know if that's going to happen. I I saw someone say, Harrison, I'm, sure you, I'm pretty sure you retweeted it, too uh i i hope that Bronny gets drafted to the pelicans who who said that oh i don't remember who said that but i was i was joking about this on one of the like 500 podcasts <laughs> i've done this week about like how that that is by far the funniest possible outcome for this whole saga <laughs> is like gail benson's long-winded revenge plot she drafts Bl- Bronny and then refuses to sign lebron for his farewell tour out of principle and just like basically kidnaps his son as like revenge for the ad trade saga yeah that would be i'm not rooting for it because like that would make me a bad person but (laughs) it would be funny like i'm not gonna lie it would be hilariously petty it'd be a great part of the 30 for 30 chapters like if it would either be the celtics or the pelicans that would do it right like is there any other team that hates lebron enough that like they would consider it maybe golden state no, because I feel like he's still friend. Like he's friendly with Steph still. Like, like yeah, they, they, won, they won that exchange. That's true. That's you know, true. They got nothing to hate on him for. They they won three out of four. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But all right, uh, Harrison, real quick, rank these three things in order of most likely to least likely to happen. Oh God! All right, hit me. Frank Vogel gets fired. Rob Palenka gets fired. LeBron doesn't sign an extension in August when he becomes eligible for one. So I'm going to go, so I'm ranking, I'm ranking them from most Mo- to least likely. Yeah, correct? most likely to least likely. So Frank Vogel, I'm getting fired. I'm, I'm pretty willing to say it's like a certainty. Like I would be floored if he is not fired after this season, just because of the amount of noise that we've, like basically there's been noise since training camp that he's not their guy. Like if they hang on to him after this, like that would defy every single precedent of like how teams handle coaches in the NBA, like throughout the, you know, 75 plus years of its history, basically. Um, so I, I think, I feel like there's almost no chance that Frank is back, you know, unless they win a title or something like they go on some unprecedented run to a title and then everybody has to run it back for one more awkward year. And they give him another, you know, like, like one year extension. They just keep giving him the lame duck extension, uh, you know, until they finally get an excuse to fire him and like grit their teeth in their offices that the team keeps winning. Um, no, but like, I don't, I don't think he's going to be back. And like, I like Frank and that kind of sucks. I like, I don't think that he's done himself favors, but you know, I, I'm not certain that they're going to get an upgrade on the coaching staff. So like, that's the part that if I were a Lakers fan, like, like it, that was still like living and dying with this team would concern me. Um, and then, you know, I guess number two, I would go probably like LeBron doesn't sign an extension just because I think that there is still like a theoretical chance of that. Like, I just can't see a world where Rob Palenka gets fired. Like for all of the kind of bluster over the last couple of days, like 
he is in that brain trust. Like he is a big part of it. Like I, I, I just don't know that I see a way that Jeannie Buss does that, especially with Rob's closeness to the Bryant family. And you're still trying to keep that relationship going to like, you know, eventually put up Kobe's statue and do all of these honors for him and whatever. Like, I just, I don't know. I just, obviously that's like, would be a small factor if anything, but I do think that stuff like that matters and the Laker lifer. And, you know, th- this is a guy who was accused by, Jeannie's brother or Jeannie's like you know adopted brother basically Magic Johnson like someone that she has called a clo- basically a closer brother than her own siblings um that guy accused Rob Palinka of backstabbing as he publicly quit on national television and flamed the Lakers yeah. and Rob Palinka survived that like that takes a certain degree of being ingratiated into that inner circle to make it through and I don't think that like all this stuff with LeBron or whatever is going to make the team move on from him so I would that's why I would go LeBron doesn't sign an extension two even though I think ultimately that's what happens and then Rob Palinka uh fired three yeah, no, I think I think that's probably the way I would do it too. I think Vogel for sure gets fired. I think LeBron probably does sign the extension this August, but I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't and just go into next season and then we just have the whole free agency frenzy in LeBron's last year under contract basically and then we oh, don't know. God. I know. Trust me. I'm not looking forward to it either. Um, but I mean with the CBA potentially being up next year and Bronny potentially being eligible after uh, a rule change, hopefully with the one and done rule being done away with um, that, that's possibly also, I think what could happen by him not signing. And then we just deal with that whole free agency frenzy next year. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about that possible angle of it, but yeah, I mean, that is, that, that does sound totally plausible. Yeah. It's, it's what LeBron unfortunately does. And I mean, it's, it's been quite a ride these these past yeah, few I mean, years and look that's the thing like you know i i've seen you know you have the whole la times column of like it's time for the lakers to trade lebron and like i do feel like because of this noise lebron has ended up getting like a lot of blame for stuff that i don't know is necessarily fair and like this is part of the lebron experience you know everybody can talk about oh like he you know he just he's like a parasite he goes to the teams and he saps them of all their assets and then he leaves and it's like yeah, but, like, did you forget the part where you win a title, at least one, you know, during that time? Like, th- this is part of it. And, you know, again, it's not – it's certainly not fun for Lakers fans right now, but this is – you know – whatever happens this summer, whether he leaves, stays, gets traded, signs an extension, whatever, like they're probably coming to the tail end of the LeBron experience in Los Angeles, just because of his age. Like he's going to turn 38 at mid season next year. Like he doesn't have that many years left, presumably in the NBA. And so, you know, this is always how this cycle was going to play out and eventually end, whether he ends it with the Lakers or not. Like eventually there's going to come a time where, you know, you're going to be somewhat bereft of assets because you kept going all in and you kept going all in. But like the reality is you got one championship out of it. You got to see if you can try and get another one almost regardless of what it takes. Yeah. I mean, I said when he signed anything less than two would be a failure and that that's just from a fan's perspective. But I mean, one is still great and we're, that's, hey, he, he tied the Celtics, exactly. you know, like, you, uh, no, look, uh, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was literally just about to say we tied the Celtics like, yeah, like, well, you know, like there's a lot of teams in NBA history that would consider one, you know, like an achievement 50 years in the making, you know, like it's like, I understand like as a Lakers, lifelong Lakers fans, whatever, like we're spoiled, all that. But like one championship is not an easy thing, regardless of what people want to say about bubble title, whatever, like that was not easy at all. And like, you know, there 
I missed the part where 29 other teams didn't show up at Disney World and just not compete <laughs> for it. Right, exactly. So, all right, Harrison, before we let you go, I know you're a big movie guy. I got to get your thoughts. And, Tyler, I don't know if you saw this preview either. I know Harrison did, but I want to just get him on the record here uh, for the, it. Showtime? No, not the Showtime, that, which we can also get his thoughts on real uh-huh. quick. But I need your thoughts on Adam Sandler's new movie with Juancho Hernan Gomez. Oh, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> it looked the Adam Sandler speech set to the music had me ready to run through a brick wall. Oh, it was the incredible. Fact, yeah. The fact that they did not give Wancho a speaking line in the trailer has me a little nervous <laughs> for a, uh it's a good his level of portrayal. But um, Edwards Anthony Edwards is in it and he probably steals every scene he's in. You know what's funny is like I did a podcast a couple months ago where they asked me like, like one of the questions was like what NBA athlete that like hasn't done acting stuff yet do you think would have like a really good Hollywood career and I'm like every Anthony inter- Edwards interview is like an improv skit. He oh, it's great. incredible! And so you know, look, the Sandman figured that out. He, <laughs> he picked up this you know this like rising young star and got him uh, his first movie role of what I hope is many for the delightful Anthony Edwards. But yeah, I'm excited for that movie. I don't know that I should be, but like i'm excited for it I, I like almost everything adam sandler does and that like this looks like it'll be another really good like dramatic role for him it's 2k my player just in a movie they literally one of the writers is literally yes one of the i was ri- gonna say that did you see that tweet so apparently one of yes. the writers, like it was a viral tweet and I, somebody's like no but actually i like, mean it's a dope story <laughs> yeah it's crazy it's crazy yeah that's that's so funny. No, like, I think I, I think it's gonna be better than people actually, expect. Although it's funny, like if you're the person that wrote 2K My Player, like, and you put that on your resume, like these are the kinds of scripts you get to write and you yeah. get uh, brought in to write, I guess. Yeah, and then obviously everybody on Lakers Twitter is gonna be glued to the TV next Sunday when uh, Showtime premieres. We actually interviewed uh, Jeff Perlman on the show about the uh, great. Uh, about the Kobe book um, when he had that coming out, and yeah, Jeff Jeff's amazing. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm stoked for the Showtime show on, um, HBO to come out about the Lakers in the eighties. It's, it's going to be incredible. Did you guys read the Showtime book? Either I have, I have. Yeah. I'm in the process of going through the audio book now. And like the, so like I have the Amazon, whatever you can switch between audio book and like, uh, oh, nice. like printed book or whatever. But like, I've been going through that the last couple of weeks just to kind of prep for it. I'm like, okay, like I didn't read this one when it came out. Like I want to check it out now. Cause the show's coming out. I kind of want to be able to compare and contrast. I like, and so I've been going through it. That book is wild. And so oh. like, I am so much more <laughs> hyped than I even already oh, was yeah. for this yeah. series. Like if it's anything like the book, it is going to be crazy. Oh, you know, exactly why magic johnson is not happy that the show the show is coming out that's my guy uh, my my co-worker yeah my co-worker and friend anthony Irwin was tweeting about this today and he's exactly right like one of the things that excites me most is how pissed off everybody that was involved in those years is that they weren't consulted it's like oh you know this is going to be honest (laughs) like yeah yeah one thing i'm bummed about is it caused a rift between will ferrell and yeah 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 that's that's a that's a bit of a bummer i know god damn it (laughs) <laughs> but all right harrison we we appreciate your time tonight thank you Th- man thank you so much uh you can follow harrison at hm fagan on twitter like i said at the top he's one of the pillars of lakers twitter uh we really appreciate you coming on man thank you so much no thank you guys for having me and i i appreciate still being welcome back despite my like russ optimism aging as horribly as it possibly could have from the preseason no so we, we were just come as, back anytime we were just as optimistic too man <laughs> All right, so with that, that wraps up episode 239 of the TSK Show. For Tyler Pacholke, I'm Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, 
or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow us at the Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at HM Fagan. We appreciate you all so much for listening to us. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Sports Kingdom show. Peace.